Welcome to Grieving Insomniacs. I am your host, Christy Haberman. I am glad you're here. Thanks for being a part of our community. A few disclaimers before we get started. I am a licensed therapist. However, this podcast is not to be considered mental health therapy or counseling. It is for entertainment purposes only and is not associated with my counseling practice, Christy Haberman Counseling Services. Thanks for showing up. Welcome to Grieving Insomniacs, Episode 5. As always, I use my experiences to start a conversation about difficult topics surrounding grief. Um, Today, the topic that I'm going to discuss is mom's guilt. And this, I am pretty sure, is a universal experience for mothers that have lost children. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit today because in four weeks, Mother's Day will be here, May 8th, 2022. Personally, for me, I have four holidays of the year that I really struggle with, Mother's Day being the one of the most difficult. And it's one of the most difficult for several reasons. In my grief journey, I have discovered that many of my childhood experiences have led me to not cope very well with my grief. I had a therapist tell me it's because I didn't have those building blocks of experiences where you you felt loved and secure when you were a child that when you go through a crisis as an adult, you can fall back onto, and I didn't have those. So even before Christopher died, Mother's Day was always a difficult time of my life. I have known, I would call it a universal truth for me, that I knew at a very young age that I was not loved by my mother. I have people that argue with me and and try to tell me that she did the best she could, that she didn't know how to be any better, but for me, I knew that to, I knew that to be true. So Mother's Day were not happy days at our house. No matter what my father did, my mom was never happy about what was occurring on Mother's Day. Uh, we could have no food in the house, and my mom would want to be taken out to eat and to be given lavish gifts so that she could feel like she was loved and like, so she could feel like she was a good enough mother. Um, Homemade cards weren't good enough for her. Homemade dinners were not good enough for her. And invariably there would be a fight and there would be screaming and there would be yelling and there would be drama. So Mother's Days were just not, not a pleasant experience growing up. And then I had Christopher. And I got to have my own Mother's Days because I had somebody that just loved me. And I got to celebrate it in ways that I wanted to celebrate it. There was always this struggle, though, between me and my mom. My mom was small and petite and blonde. And I'm not. I look like my father. I have blue eyes, stocky, dishwater blonde hair, and I look like him. My 
I can see it in my oldest son. I can see it in my granddaughter. And I see it in me. We look like my biological father. And I just imagine that while I was growing up, that was very difficult for my mom because my biological father left her with two young children back in the 1960s. And I imagine it was very hard for her. She was barely barely out of high school herself. She had me when she was 17, had my sister when she was 18, at 19 years old. She was raising two babies, and she still wanted to have the party life. So we got left home a lot when we were kids. She married my dad, who eventually adopted me when I was four years old. But like I said, our relationship was always conflicted, even even clear back then. And she parented from, and I think this is critically important, when you take a look at your own responses to the grief, you really need to take an and examine how mistakes were handled when you were growing up. In my household, there was no room for imperfection. You had, you had to be perfect. And if you weren't perfect, there was shame. So we were shame-based parenting. And so in shame-based parenting, you were made to feel bad about yourself, not about the behavior. So when I was doing research for this podcast, I looked up what is the purpose of guilt? Because I really wanted to know. So I do I feel guilty about the fact that I, my son died or do I feel shame about the fact that my son died? I examined this pretty closely in my book, The Solitary Journey Through the Loss of a Child, but I'm not going to go into it too deeply here on the podcast because I want it to be a tipping off point for other people to take my words and see if it can provide some assistance for them in examining their own mom's guilt. So the purpose of guilt from a psychological standpoint is to correct a wrong. And it approves your social functioning. So that means in a group, if you violate the morals of the group, then you feel guilt. And then that makes you want to be collectively part of the group and you want to correct the behavior. What shame does is shame makes you feel bad about yourself. And psychologically, the definition says that shame regulates social systems and hierarchies. Well, that's true. In order to maintain a hierarchy, you have to shame the people below you. And that's kind of how my family operated. And I have a feeling that my mom was parented from a place of deep shame. And so when you come from shame-based parenting, when you make a mistake, you feel ashamed. So another thing that really caught my eye was another definition of shame. So shame occurs when we perceive ourselves as being different from our ideal self. And what are we as women always socialized to do? We are socialized to be, you can't see them, but air quote, the good mother. 
And when we are different from our ideal self is when we feel shame. So that made a whole lot of sense to me when I think about my own mom's guilt crisis. Because I took a look at the mistakes that I made when I was parenting my son. And I don't feel guilt. I feel ashamed of those mistakes. And I am... I am pretty sure that my son would not want me to feel ashamed because of the mistakes that I made as a, as a parent. But I can tell you the day that he died. I woke up the next morning feeling like I had been punished. And I was being punished because I was a bad person. And we all have these experiences in our lives. We all have experiences where we look back and we say to ourselves, I wish I had handled that better. Or we behave in ways that don't match our morals. And every one of those raced through my mind when my son died. Every single one of them. And it could have been events before my son was born. There were most definitely events during his childhood, events after. But it all boiled down to the same thing, is that I felt like I was being punished because I had been bad. And I felt just like I did as a kid. And there was, there was no way to escape that. I also grew up outside of religion so what i mean by that is is that i've never i never attended church we did not have a strong spiritual foundation in our family we went to church after my mom married my dad but i don't think we lasted in church for very long the last time i remember actually going to church would have been about eight or nine years old and I, I don't think that we went that often. But I vividly remember the experience of my mom again. Um, she was a rager. Like, she would say she'd be mad. But now, as an adult, I know that she was raging. And she was raging in the car because someone embarrassed her because she was wearing the same outfit that she had worn to church, I guess, the week before. And one of the ladies commented on it. Church can be pretty cruel. Church people I have found to be really, really kind of cruel. Especially when they say things like, he's better off with God. Luckily, I have good impulse control. I might throat punch someone if they had said that to me. But we didn't have that background. So I didn't, I didn't have someone to pray to, to provide comfort and support. I was just kind of lost. And I've been involved in alternate um, religions, I guess I would say, outside of the mainstream religions that had an impact on me. And those religions also were very shame-based, meaning that in some aspects of Christianity are also very shame-based when they say uh, 
if you make this mistake or you commit a sin, you're going to go to hell unless you confess. Like all the confessing in the world, <laughs> like I did a lot of confessing after Christopher died. I did not make it better. I did not feel like there was resolution of my grief whatsoever. None. <laughs> I felt like I was still, I was still wrong. So I didn't have that to comfort me. And then when I was trying to figure out where he went, I've never really believed in heaven. I don't really believe in hell. I feel like being on earth is hell enough. And when we escape to the somewhere that's beyond earth is when all our pain and suffering goes away. And I really, I really hold on to that belief. So I knew Christopher's pain and suffering had gone away. I had hoped. But I really felt guilty about not providing him with that spiritual foundation. But don't get me wrong. I come from me and my sister are very spiritual people. We're just not very organized about it. And that's part of what I felt guilty about. Because I was like, where is he going to go if he doesn't believe in heaven? And those consequences of that belief system really came back to haunt me when my son died. Very much so. I was also a single parent. I had my son when I was 19 years old. I've talked about this in other episodes. But I enjoyed being a single parent. I enjoyed having Christopher to myself. I didn't think about the consequences of my actions on Christopher, though. Because Christopher died... Three months after his daughter was born. And the relationship was not working out. They had decided to have a child together. I'm not really sure what happened. He never did share with me what happened. But he didn't want to be perceived as a deadbeat father like he had. And that really struck home for me because I really understood that idea because I did not want to be a mom like I had. That's been a major driver of my behavior my whole life was trying very hard not to be like my mom. So what did it mean? What did it mean when my son died and she all, all her children got to live? So how could I be worse than her. Why me? Why did God choose me to lose a child? I really struggle with that. I still struggle with that. Because, and I'm sure everyone else that has had a child die asks themselves the same question. Why me? And I hope when you answer that question for yourself, that you're kinder to yourself than I am to myself. Because I have all kinds of reasons and none that I'm going to share publicly because just talking about this in this forum is, is very difficult, but I'm not going to air all my mistakes out there. <laughs> we all make them. We all make parenting mistakes where we yelled too much, watch TV too much, fed them the wrong foods, let them stay out too long. Didn't take him to the doctor when we were supposed to. I mean, I got a list. Let me tell you, I have a list. But even if I hadn't have made that mistake, 
and those mistakes, I'm not sure that I would feel any different. Because I still think I would feel guilty. And I don't know if I feel guilty. I wonder if I feel more shame. And I'm just realizing that as I'm talking to you on this podcast is I'm realizing that maybe I was ashamed because my son died because I perceive that as a reflection of my own behavior as if, if I had behaved good enough, if I had been a good enough mother, if I had done all the right things, then my son would not be dead. He would still be alive. And it does not matter that he was 25 years old because logically I understand that his heavy drinking was his choice. Him being a smoker was his choice. He knew I'd re- I don't drink, I don't smoke. He knew the risk with our family history of doing those things and he did it anyway. But somehow those behaviors became about me. And then I would be like, if I had taken care of him more emotionally, he wouldn't feel the need to drink. Even though the drinking was more associated with his friends than it was associated with me. He wouldn't need to smoke. If I had taught him better, I'm a counselor, so of course I go to the psychological. If I had taught him better coping mechanisms, then he wouldn't have smoked. So there was this inability for me to accept that he had his own consequences. That him dying of cancer at the age that he did might have been the consequences of his actions. I can somewhat accept that now, 10 years out. But it has taken me a long time to get here. A long time to get here. But I think about back in the beginning. So almost, I'm like, I'm like almost right away. So Christopher lived in Louisiana. I had a job here. It wasn't a job that paid me very well. I didn't have unlimited time off. And Christopher didn't want me to go be with him. He said no. And he chose his friends instead. And that's a decision I get very angry with him about. Because he wanted his friends to take care of him. So I didn't go. And that guilt does not leave me. Ever. I live with it. And I carry it. Every day. I don't know there's others out there just like me. That have similar experiences. And I want you to know that I see you and I hear you. And I don't judge you. 
because we had no way of knowing that that would be the last time. And maybe there was a sense of knowing in him that he knew he was going to die. I sometimes wonder about that. On the day that you die, do you wake up in the morning and does your soul know? I've always wondered about that. So that morning when he woke up, did he know he'd be dead by the end of the day? Did he somehow know? And if he did, did he tell me not to come to protect me? In some misguided way. And so it's not like if he had died in a car accident, I don't know if I'd still feel guilty, but probably. I'd find something to feel guilty about. Because that's what we do. We're moms. We're supposed to keep our kids safe. And when we don't, that's when we feel guilt. But are we really feeling shame? Because we didn't act in a way in which we perceive ourselves to be. So are we really reacting to the perceived judgment of other people? And if those other people knew that we felt judged by them, would they stop? Or do they secretly say, oh, thank God, it wasn't my child? I know my best friend lives in fear watching me. Fear that she will lose one of her children and go through what I go through. I don't know about anybody else in my family if they live with that same level of fear. But I know my best friend does. I know I do. I talked about it in my other podcast. I know I do. I feel like I spend most of my time in fear. Because I'll do anything not to feel ashamed again. So back to my mom guilt. So when I had Christopher, 19 years old, my mom told me frequently that she was going to take Christopher away from me. And this is probably part of what makes his death so hard because she did in a way. Well, she didn't, but God did. Uh, she always said that I wasn't going to be a good enough mother. So I didn't dress him right. I didn't feed him right. Man, I, every time I saw her, I did not do something right. And so coming from that shame-based parenting, she made you feel bad about who you were. Not about the behavior, but about who you were. She told me she was going to make me live with her until I was 21 years old. That I was never going to amount to much. Man, you name it. 
she said it. So as a result, as I got older, that relationship I had with my mom just got worse and worse and worse until Christopher was three the first time I cut off contact with her. But the problem is, on Mother's Day, you realize what you miss. I didn't have a mother to call. I didn't have a mother to go to dinner with. I didn't have a mother to call when I needed support. I did not have a mother. And every Mother's Day, I feel that same searing anger and some shame because why didn't my mom choose me? I have a brother and I have a sister. They spent every Mother's Day with my mom. They did not suffer the same consequences that I did with um, her because they don't look like my dad. Only I look like him. I'm the only one with blue eyes and the square face and... Yeah, I'm the one that looked like him. So now on Mother's Day, not only am I missing having a mother, I don't miss my mother. I miss having a mother and what I didn't have. So now on Mother's Day, I miss the son I don't have. And I'm reminded that I don't have him. And that makes that day very hard. So he was 25. I'm sure those of you that have younger children, maybe you don't wait for the phone to ring. Maybe you wait for On Mother's Day, you had a tradition where they came into your room and woke you up. But I would encourage you to enjoy those memories. And not to be too hard on yourself. So next week, we'll continue to discuss the mom guilt. If you would reach out to me on social media, tell me about what your guilt looks like? Did you come from a shame-based parenting system? Is that contributing to how you feel guilty about losing your child? Or do you feel more shame because you didn't live up to the ideal you have in your head of what the good mother is supposed to be? Because for me, that is where many of my struggles come from. because I don't have the ability to see my own behavior in a good light. Even though my living child tells me that I was a good mom, but even hearing that, I don't feel like I have, I was a good mom. <laughs> So 
thank you for listening. I kind of feel like I haven't really completely dissected this topic. We'll do more on the mom guilt all the way up till Mother's Day. Thank you for listening. I'm honored to hear your stories. Feel free to reach out. Thank you for listening. If you want to support my podcast, please like and subscribe. Share with your friends. I have a book, The Solitary Journey Through the Loss of a Child. Check me out on Amazon. Grieving Insomniacs on Instagram. Grieving Insomniacs on Facebook. And pretty soon I'll have some merchandise available on Teespring's. Thank you.